I don't know how your Christmas Eve is going so far, but the Lord is with you no matter how it's going. And I'm going to pray because as I was sitting enjoying worship, I kicked my tea over on my sermon notes and had to print them up in the last song, so I need a moment. Dear God, Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you that you are enough. We thank you that we are secure, wrapped tight in your love. So we pray this in Jesus' name, in your name, Lord. Amen. So we read in Luke. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. I know this is the wrong word for it, but there is something almost magical that took place in Bethlehem that first Christmas night. Hardened cynics and skeptics alike acknowledge the profound beauty of the scene. A miraculous, inexplicable pregnancy. A poor teenage girl giving birth to her first child. A son who she lays in a humble manger crib. His arrival is welcomed by singing angels who herald good news of great joy that will be for all people. Shepherds, the most lowly in the land, visit his crib to behold him and rejoice. Foreigners, men of great wisdom and renown, travel great distances to present him with gifts and to pay him homage. It is not easily explained, but we witness these scenes and they impact us. We grow still. Something catches in the back of our throat and steals our breath. We marvel. Why? Now, I understand that a baby is a universal symbol of hope. Sure, many come out looking like little aliens or little old men, but there is a loveliness to every newborn child. These freshly minted humans are so innocent and pure, as yet uncorrupted, by the many ills that afflict us. And they are beings of unknown promise and potential. Will this little soul blossom to be another Albert Einstein or or Steve Jobs or Andrea Bocelli or, or John Lewis? We don't know. They're holding humanity's future in their tiny little hands. They are, kids are our ultimate hope and legacy, our investment. And so it's natural that a newborn would move us to awe, for each child is a miracle and a gift. But I'd say something more is happening with this baby in a manger. Have you ever heard the term, a thin place? It's a Celtic expression. 
Ancient Irish believers describe a thin place as a locale where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we catch a glimpse of something transcendent and divine. Those Christians were fond of saying that heaven and earth is only three feet apart, but in thin places, the distance is even shorter. In thin places, the veil between God's realm and ours is almost translucent. You see, when you stumble into a thin place, you're, you're mesmerized, you're suddenly disoriented. For the ancient Celts, the windswept island of Iona was a thin place, as were the rocky peaks of Croag Patrick. For me, there's spots on Ruby Beach and a paradise up on Rainier, or waterfalls, chapels, even libraries that feel awfully thin. They're places that make us feel small. These are places where we lose our bearings, where we may, we may even find new ones. Places, I like to say, where we get lost and found again. And I would argue that the manger is a thin place. Now before you accuse me of spouting old Irish hooey, allow me to read a short passage from the Bible where the Hebrew patriarch Jacob stumbles upon such a place. We read this in Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder or a flight of steps set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Why do thin places create such ache and awe? Well, I believe it's because we were created for heavenly communion. The very first words of Scripture are, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Our space and God's space were created together. They were meant to be together. What is Eden, if not paradise on earth, where the God of heaven walks with humanity in the cool of the day? Where the heavens and earth are, are overlapping, collapsing in on one another. Yet that is no longer for us the norm because of humanity's willfulness and rebellion, the heavens and earth have been separated. They've been torn asunder. In Genesis 3.24, one of the most heartbreaking verses in all of the Bible, we read, The Lord God drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. 
our sin and our wrongdoing has cut us off from God, from the heavenly communion for which we were made. And I guess we'd have it no other way. A God of perfect goodness, beauty, and justice can neither accept nor allow evil to endure in His presence. For such would mean the vandalism of the heavens, a a corruption of all that is right and holy. Yet this alienation makes us ache. It's like an illuminated check engine light for our souls, indicating that things are not as they should be. We were designed for good, but we've been damaged by evil. Things are not right, and especially when we stumble onto thin places where the veil between those two realities, heaven and earth, lessens. We both marvel and we ache as we just catch this ephemeral glimpse of what once was and what should have been. Yet as a species, we don't like to remain in that kind of state of unease. We, we choose to numb that ache with entertainments and distractions. Or in our arrogant ambition, we seek to construct a stairway back up to the heavens and demand that God come down to us. That is the heart behind most religion. Or we try to forget God entirely and displace Him, declaring ourselves or our kids or our careers to be the center of all things. Yet when we approach the manger, all that frothing activity is stilled. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, All is bright. Around yon is a virgin mother and her child, a holy infant so tender and mild that is sleeping in heavenly peace. I said I think the manger is a thin place. That's not exactly right. Because I don't think there's anything special about that feeding trough that was converted into a crib Nothing was particularly awe-inspiring or entrancing about it, but the child lying within it was. There's an interesting encounter that the adult Jesus has at the beginning of John's Gospel. Jesus greets for the first time a man named Nathaniel who would go on to become one of Jesus' twelve apostles. And Nathaniel's being brought by a friend to meet Jesus, and he's skeptical that he's anyone special. And as he approaches, Jesus calls out to him from a distance, and he says, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, Jesus, how do you know me? To which Jesus responds, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And what happens next is just inexplicable to me. Nathaniel voices out this incredible confession of faith. Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. What a response to such a mundane interaction. Yet in that moment, Nathaniel felt seen and understood in a way so profound that it displaced him. It turned his world upside down. It was like grabbing a live wire or touching heaven. In an instant, he was disoriented and then reoriented. 
Indeed, for Nathanael, it was as if he saw and was seen by the face of God. And chuckling, Jesus confirms Nathanael's intuition. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, in Jesus, heaven and earth overlap. He is fully God, fully man. And in Christ's arrival at Bethlehem, heaven came down to earth. Silent night, holy night, brought the world gracious light. Down from heaven's golden height comes to us the glorious sight. Jesus, one of mankind. But he's more than just a thin place, someone where we can go to to catch a glimpse of the divine. He has come to do away with that veil of separation entirely. He is our way back to heavenly communion. He is God with us, our hope of glory. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure lights. Radiance beams from His holy face. In Him dawns redeeming grace. Jesus, the Lord at His birth. Without compromising His goodness or His justice, God has made a way in Jesus to reunite the heavens and the earth, to restore creation's relationship with its Creator. Yet it comes at a great cost. We read in Philippians, though He was in the form of God, Christ Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it different in his letter to the Corinthians, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. The child in the manger causes us to marvel. He takes our breath away. Not only has heaven come down to us, but He is our ladder. The means by which we ascend to God. It is He who reconciles us and enables us to transcend our brokenness. It is because of Jesus and His sacrifice that our every failure can be washed away and our standing with God restored. It is a con account of His perfect life, His self-giving death, His triumph over the grave, that evil's power is broken, and even death is ultimately undone. We are given a fresh start. We are made new. And I think that is the magic of this holy night. It's not just glimpsing of what once was and should have been, In Bethlehem, God is tearing the veil between heaven and earth. Heaven is coming down to us. And we don't glimpse what should have 
been, we get a revelation of what will be. Jesus, the man of heavens and earth, meets us not in Eden, but in the muck of our own making. But even that, he says, will be made right and new. Remember how the story that began in Bethlehem ends in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, who is also the one laid in the manger, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Through Jesus will come a new heavens and a new earth. Perfect communion will be restored. There will be that overlap between God's realm and ours. That Christ's kingdom may come and that His will may be done on earth as it is in the heavens. Now how will you respond to this miracle in the manger? To this man who is both heaven and earth. The ladder that our ancestors dreamed about that would one day restore humanity's access to God. All you must do is receive Him. That's the nature of grace. It is a gift. And we must just be willing to acknowledge and receive. So do that this Christmas. Come and adore Him. Come and receive your King. Come and worship Him as God. Invest all of your hope and your trust in Him, for He is kind and He loves us. He has moved heaven and earth, and He has moved from heaven to earth to be our God and to enable us to be His made new people in friendship and in partnership with Him. So thank you, Jesus. We receive you and we honor you this night. And as I pray, I'm going to invite the worship team forward and we're going to end with Silent Night. Dear God, Lord, It is so hard to comprehend. But we acknowledge the beauty and the power of what we see, what we recall and remember of what took place at Bethlehem. And we marvel the heavens and earth overlapping in a child. And that child growing up to bring restoration and beautiful communion. And new. New that we long for and need. So God, tonight we receive You. We love You. We adore You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.